Today's episode is episode 163, and today's episode is called Abstract Thinking. Today's about abstract thinking. This has been a big one for me over the years. Abstract thinking is something that I develop with programming and with my writing. So abstract thinking, I just want to explore this today to, for me to get clearer on what abstract thinking is, just to speak it out, to articulate it. And also to help you get eyes for where in your life abstract thinking exists because abstract thinking is in more places than meets the eye, I think, when you don't really think about this too much. You could be somebody who's thinking about this and I guess I want to spark a conversation around this. But first of all, I want to start with Jean Piaget. He's a Swiss psychologist and he has a it's, it's the development of children psychologically. So I'm just going to go through some of the stages here, the broad stages that he describes. So, so from zero to two years of age, children engage in concrete thinking about the world. So this is that they observe and they explore the world primarily through their senses, through their five senses. So it's a, a baby going around, putting things in their mouth. <laughs> they're, they're learning to trial and error that way. Then from the ages of two to seven, this is where children develop the ability to think symbolically. So you'll see this represented in children starting to speak words, start to use language, because they start to understand that language is a symbol for something, an object in the real world. So the word paper refers to the object paper that they see in the world. So they're still at this level of observing the world, but they're going more towards symbolism, understanding that things represent, words represent things in reality. Then from the age of seven to 11, they go through logical reasoning. But again, their, their thinking remains really concrete. They don't think so abstractly, I guess, in the sense of an adult could think more abstractly about what is the universe, what is my life. Children will still tend to fixate on concrete things in the real world. And then from 12 to adulthood, so from the age of 12 to adulthood, that's when you build on your reasoning skills and go more towards abstract thinking. So on this episode, I'm going to talk about my experience with abstract thinking. I'm just going to talk about some things that are abstract in nature that mightn't be very obvious. Just exploring it myself. Uh, just, I will give some examples of abstract thinking to begin with. So concepts, theories, organization. So even how we organize our week in week, weekdays and weekends, that's an example of abstract thinking. That's not a concrete reality that existed in nature that we took from nature. That's a man-made construct. So this is the, the thing with abstract thinking that is, it's, it's kind of unsettling in certain aspects and you start to realize that there's a lot of the culture that is, cultural, culture is an abstraction. Culture doesn't just exist outside there in the world. It exists in the minds of human beings. It's an abstraction that helps us to understand. It gives us a sense of orientation in life. It gives us a sense of who we are. So even on a country level, a nationalism level, being Irish is an abstraction. It's not innately something that's in the world. Ireland and Irishness. I'm going to explore this in another podcast because this is something that I, I've, I've wanted to explore a bit more around. But it's not like the country we live in today in Ireland it wasn't always even called Ireland. And this even idea of being Irishness, again, it's not concrete in the real world. It's not observable. 
So even with that, the organization of the week, and when you go more towards the cultural end of things, there's so much abstractions in there. It's primarily made of abstractions, I feel. Just exploring all this today. Thought experiments, again, is another thing that's an abstraction. Thought experiments are useful because they help you to predict the future, which is another abstraction because the future doesn't exist. So these are things that uh, it helps us to develop that ability. I found in my life that it helps me to see through the culture more. It helps me to create the mental models that I want to live inside or to even question the mental models I'm currently living inside. Emotions is another abstraction. When you're thinking about the impact of what you're saying can have on people emotionally, that's another abstraction. So they're the main things that kind of that I found when I was doing a bit of research on this. They are the main things to keep in mind when you're thinking about abstract thinking. I consciously work on abstract thinking through my job as a programmer and through writing and through the podcast. Podcast is abstract too. The, a lot of abstract thinking that goes into this. I'm going to cover towards the end of this podcast some of the things to keep in mind in terms of the downsides to abstract thinking, being too cerebral, being too in your own head, and ways to to not nullify it, but ways to balance that out a bit better, how I do that, how, how I've gone about doing that. So why you would want to improve your abstract thinking, if you want to be a creator, think you have to improve your abstract thinking when you improve your abstract thinking when you see through the abstractions that exist around you more it gives you a bit more self-confidence in yourself and your ideas and it also gives you a bit more space from your ideas well actually i I think i'm going to cover this towards the end about uh, how to counterbalance the abstract nature of things but when you've got more space in your mind between your thoughts and ideas and your ideas and thoughts are malleable. You've got a certain sense of direction in life, but your thoughts and ideas are malleable to help you move in that direction. I think it builds quite a bit of self-confidence in yourself. You tend to second guess yourself less because there's a lot of thought that goes into abstract thinking. You won't meet a lot of shallow thinkers who who are good at abstract thinking. So in my job there, in my career as a programmer, Anybody who's a programmer, anybody I've met who's a programmer, professional programmer, is good at abstract thinking. They have to be because programming, with programming, you have to constantly visualize what it is that you're creating. So you're writing out a bunch of words as a programmer. You have to keep in mind, like, what is, what am I creating here? Obviously, there's tools today in the browser. You can actually look at what you're creating what in real time as you're doing it. But still, there's, there's, there's a lot of other things to, to programming, like visualizing what a network looks like, visualizing what a server is. I find that that, that was very challenging to realize a server is a computer. It's a computer. And, and a database is a bunch of tables. You kind of boil it down to simple terms like that, and also understanding that there's still a lot of complexity in that. I think I feel like programming forces you to simplify things so that you've some idea of what this is. And also realize that there's so much nuance and complexity to this topic that you have to be open to the idea that you're going to be learning, continuously learning all the time. 
And when like there's new technologies that come out, new features, I'm not the greatest on that because I don't have, uh, I found with programming, I'm more driven by the thinking process. I, I enjoy the process of abstractly thinking about things, seeing something in my mind's eye and it clicking. I enjoy that process, even though it's a difficult one. But what, what you will find if you meet the right teachers, they'll help you to visualize these things in a way that you understand, in a way that you can relate to. And then the other world of abstract thinking for, for me would be writing, writing. I'm writing a book at the moment. And what I enjoy about writing is creating this abstract story that helps me make sense of my life more. That's what I get a lot from, from writing. It helps me to make sense of my life as the individual. Because when you're not working on your own abstract thinking, your own understanding of the world, you have the only other alternative, well, the main alternative is to buy into other people's abstract thinking, society's abstract thinking. And if you're not building on your own abstract thinking, you won't even see that. You won't even see the abstract thinking in society, that these things are constructs more so than tangible realities. Because that's why I noticed in my life, when I wasn't engaging consistently with abstract thinking, I used to take things for granted, like even money, for example. I took it for granted that that's, I didn't think about it, that I didn't entertain the idea of where did money come from? What purpose does it serve? Because money was a tool that came about. Read the book Sapiens. It talks about this in a bit more in depth. But money was a tool for exchanging or interacting with people. There used to be bartering before that. Money was just more convenient because you didn't have to carry around animals with yourself to barter. You could now carry around a, a coin, a piece of metal that you would, that there was a certain amount of value associated with. And when you think about it, that can only exist because there is no inherent worth in that piece of metal. It has to be agreed upon in the minds of human beings that there's a certain amount of value that goes with these coins. That's all abstract thinking. So when you look at that, that's a huge opportunity, but it's also very challenging and confronting when, when you start to realize that you've been living your life, bending yourself to something that wasn't even real, that it's in the imagination, in the collective imagination. So I get a, I get a lot of joy from just exploring my own imagination, creating my own abstractions, and sharing those abstractions in for, for other people. So me just talking about this today, this is a very abstract podcast, like a lot of my podcasts. But what gives me joy is to, that I'm highlighting things that can be useful to other people. Because ideas and thoughts are powerful. They get you focusing in a different direction. It opens your eyes when you start seeing the possibilities that exist out there. So I mentioned briefly about creating your own mental models at the start of this podcast, just to give an example to make that a little bit more tangible for you. So a mental model I created for myself is the ability to write books. And that model goes outside of the norm of going to publisher, getting to publish my books. It opens my eyes to self-publishing. I can self-publish a book. Another mental model I would use is that when I'm tackling a complex topic like programming, that I don't, I can look at the conventional routes, but I don't need to accept them as the only path to going somewhere. So I didn't go and do a computer science degree to become a programmer. I looked at how do you go about what's the, what field in computer programming can I get into that doesn't require a four-year computer science degree. 
so there, the t so my mental model there is that there's many paths to the same destination. It's just going about it in a creative way, thinking about thinking outside the box, thinking about how can I go about this in, in a way that is practical for me. Because the thing with me was that I already had a degree and I had a master's in translation. So for me, it made no sense. I didn't want to go back and do another degree on top of that, and maybe come out of that and realize maybe computer programming isn't for me. What are you going to do then? It's not practical. But the way I did it was I had a job in a field that was related to it, which is desktop support technician. And I learned programming then on the site, Python programming on the site, because it was something that I enjoyed doing because I enjoyed uh, the thinking process. I enjoyed that. I was also writing at the time. It's only now, I guess, that I'm starting to see that it's the abstract thinking in both fields that I've been drawn to. And there's been a, there has been a symbiotic relationship there too. I'm sure that programming helps me write books because with programming, it helps you to deal with frustration. That's what I found with programming, the frustration of things going wrong, having to fix a bug that you don't know where it's coming from, or trying to solve a problem you haven't solved before, or even looking for advice or help from somebody, bit of humility there. So there's so many things that I learned in my day job as a programmer that didn't help me as a writer. So when you're writing a book, you're also confronted with these feelings of frustration and overwhelm of where is this going? How do I create this in a coherent way? That's what I've struggled with in this book. I've had a lot of ideas and I've had a general trajectory, a story arc for this book. But I found it challenging to make it all coherent and fit together in a way that I felt fit to, fitted together for me. It's a weird one even with fitting things together because it's not like I look, I don't necessarily look for other people to tell me whether this sounds coherent or not, even though I will take it on board. If a lot of people telling me that this doesn't make any sense, then I'm not going to publish a book that makes sense to nobody. But there's something within me too that looks at something and realizes if there's a flow to it, if it makes sense to me. If it makes sense to me, that's that's the main thing I'm looking at. And then if everybody else telling me it makes no sense, then yeah, I might look at it again and see what's going wrong. I'll get feedback then. I'll get feedback from people to kind of put me in a, not necessarily point me in a different direction, but just give me ideas so I can make up my own mind of what's the actual direction here. This is the whole process with abstract thinking. So I love abstract thinking. It's challenging. I was actually talking to a friend recently about, about self-learning. He's a self-learner. He's a, a programmer also. And it just came up in conversation that why would anybody put themselves through the pain of learning to code? Because there's a lot of, there is a lot of pain to it. Pain in the sense of, I remember, especially as a beginner, the frustration of things going wrong, of being overwhelmed because there was so much to learn and feeling like I had to learn it quickly. That as I progressed in level, I realized it's better to slow down just take things day by day and learn a little bit every day. I'm really experiencing that now more so than, than knowing it's a good idea. But from the conversation, it came up anyway that why would you put yourself through the pain of learning something that's difficult? And I realized that I prefer that pain to the pain of listening to somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. And I feel that's very prevalent in the culture we're living in today. People selling snake oil, people sounding confident in what they're saying, but having no substance behind what they're actually saying. Another thing that I see culturally, or just I see around me on, on YouTube and on different places, 
it's it's somebody selling you a dream that they then are living so it's somebody who's who's selling you a course to become a millionaire and they become a millionaire from selling you the course there's there's quite a bit of that happening in the world that is very frustrating because and this this is a little bit why I do a podcast about mindset too, because what I've noticed in a lot of personal development circles, when it's snake oil they're selling, one of the psychological things they do is they consistently send you the message that if this doesn't work, it's because you didn't try enough, you didn't put in enough effort. And why that's so deceptive and insidious because there is a certain amount of truth to that. There are a lot of people who don't put in work, who aren't willing to put in the effort, who aren't willing to make sacrifices. So there are a certain amount of people who will go on Google and want and put in like how to become a millionaire in six months or six weeks. And they're the types of people who aren't willing to put any effort or work into something that's got substance to it. So that's that's one case in a way that 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 whatever. I don't tend to think so much about that, but I think more about the person who's genuine, who wants to who wants to has a, have a proper experience of personal growth, self-development, understand who they are, what they're here to do in the world, what lights them up. And then they're being sold these, their, their dreams. They're being sold their dreams to them and they're losing money and then they're losing hope and then they're uh, getting maybe overly cynical and bitter about the world. So the mindset part of things here for me, the happy mindset, the mindset part is really understanding yourself understanding that you're the one creating your own abstract world that's not to say that things don't happen in reality that that are unfair that seem unfair on the surface that uh, you can't you can't control other people you can't control reality but what you can control though is how you develop your abstract world and that has so much of an effect on your felt experience of life over lives over the last few years as i've been developing more and more on my abstract thinking my understanding of my world there's just a sense of being lighter. I don't feel as weighed down by the culture. I don't feel as weighed down by expectations of other people as I'm starting to see more true what, where those expectations are coming from. So there's a lot of freedom psychologically and on a feeling level that can come from, from building your own abstract world. Um, but in the last part I just want to cover here is about the, the downsides after thinking. Like anything in life, there's a downside to to every upside. So the downside to abstract thinking, and I've experienced this myself, is that you can be too in your own head and not even realize it to begin with. Too in your own head. And not connected with your body, not connected to other people. You can engage in a lot of fantasy thinking and dramatization as catastrophizing catastrophizing thinking so because you've a developed abstract world you can mistake imagination for reality and the catastrophizing thinking is that you'll think of every bad example for a potential future to the extent that, that your mental health suffers and yeah that your mental health suffers so what i've done to counterbalance that to help me with that is to talk to people outside of 
outside of the abstract thinking world. So people who are more connected with their body, their soul, to the art, who are grounded. That helps me to counterbalance the abstract thinking so I'm not fully in my head. Uh, but in saying that now, I feel like the people who are genuine, genuinely connected to their soul and grounded, I feel like there, had, there would also be some level of abstract thinking that would go into that because you'd have to, you'd have to transcend the abstract thinking that already exists in the culture in order to connect to your own soul and be grounded in the world. But then I think you also reach a level after a while where you see the thinking for what it is and you'd much prefer to feel grounded in yourself. And that ties back to the space I mentioned at the start. When you, get, when you gain more and more space from your thoughts and your ideas, there's more of a grounding, more of a connected to your, connectedness to yourself. That helps me to understand these people then who are talking about more esoteric things, more esoteric experiences. That helps me to connect with them more. Uh, because I'm not engaging my analytical mind when I interact with these people. I'm engaging more my heart, if I'm being honest about it. It's more just an openness to it. Again, that can be tricky when you're not working on your own inner world, your own inner work, because there's a lot of charlatans in that space. There's charlatans in every space. But when you connect with people who are genuine, who are on a genuine path, uh, it opens another world for you as an abstract thinker. It helps to get you more grounded, get you more in your body. Because looking at my life, I don't think you can find happiness as an abstract thinker if you're in your head all the time. You have to have some experiences where you're connecting more to your body again. Because, yeah, it's not mentally healthy. That was my experience. And it's not mentally healthy to, uh, to live in your head. So do things that get you outside of your head in a good way, in a positive way. But that's it. That's what I wanted to explore today about abstract thinking, share some thoughts, share some ideas around it, talk a little bit about it, like uh, the abstract world. I suppose the other thing that, that's helped me with abstract thinking, I'm going to do an episode on gaslighting at some stage. But I think when you're building your own world, when you're putting weight on your own abstract world, you're less inclined to be gaslighted by other people who make you question your inner reality. Because when you're putting in the hard work into a skill like programming or writing or some skill that's, that's abstract in nature, where you can see a progression in your skill level, I think you're less prone to gaslighting. The people who will generally, generally gaslight you anyway are people who aren't very thoughtful or considerate of other people. So you'll just move and move more away from that as your abstract thinking strengthens. And then, like I said, just counterbalance that then with try to be more in your body, engage in things like mindfulness, meditation, uh, different things. Shamanism is another area. Cacao, I was talking to Emer there recently. That's another area where they do ceremonial cacao drinking with the intention of feeling what's coming up for you. And uh, yeah, just that type of spaces I find are, are good, kind of, they can help counterbalance you. But that's it. Thanks again for listening. And I will speak to you on the next episode.